0: The source of the speeches I use here on the Choice Voice podcast comes from a list of the top 100 speeches. This list is compiled by researchers at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and Texas A&M University, among other places. It reflects the opinions of 137 leading scholars of public address. My choice of the speeches you hear here should not be construed to reflect or promote any point of view. They are simply considered great speeches. Today's speech transcript is entitled A Declaration of Conscience. It's a speech by Senator, then-Senator Margaret Chase Smith. And quickly prior to the speech, an introduction written by a man named David Krugler. When Senator Joseph McCarthy faltered in supporting his 1950s charge that the State Department knowingly employed more than 200 communists Numerous Republican members of Congress backed him up. The problem of Soviet espionage was a real one, and the attention McCarthy received enhanced conservatives' criticism that the Truman administration had not adequately dealt with the issue. However, not all Republicans approved of McCarthy's methods, especially his harsh attacks on critics. In June 1950, Senator Margaret Chase Smith, Republican of Maine, spoke out against McCarthy's selfish political exploitation, though she was careful not to identify him by name. Smith persuaded six fellow Republicans to sign this Declaration of Conscience, which ended with a call for bipartisan cooperation to protect national security. The declaration had very little immediate effect, but it opened a pathway for Republicans to later break with McCarthy because of his methods. After the Wisconsin senator charged army officers with harboring communists, Republican President Dwight D. Eisenhower began working behind the scenes with Congressional Republicans to isolate him and diminish his influence. These efforts culminated in a Senate censure in December 1954 for actions contrary to senatorial traditions. His power gone and his reputation irreparably harmed, McCarthy died less than three years later. Mr. President, I would like to speak briefly and simply about a serious national condition, It is a national feeling of fear and frustration that could result in national suicide and the end of everything that we Americans hold dear. It is a condition that comes from the lack of effective leadership either in the legislative branch or the executive branch of our government. I speak as a Republican. I speak as a woman. I speak as a United States Senator. I speak as an American. I think that it is high time for the United States Senate and its members to do some real soul-searching and to weigh our consciences as to the manner in which we are performing our duty to the people of America and the manner in which we are using or abusing our individual powers and privileges. I think that it is high time that we remember that we have sworn to uphold and defend the Constitution. I think that it is high time that we remembered that the Constitution as amended, speaks not only of the freedom of speech, but also of trial by jury instead of trial by accusation. Whether it be a criminal prosecution in court or a character prosecution in the Senate, there is little practical distinction when the life of a person has been ruined. Those of us who shout the loudest about Americanism in making character assassinations are all too frequently those who, by our own words and acts, ignore some of the basic principles of Americanism. The right to criticize. The right to hold unpopular beliefs. The right to protest. The right of independent thought. The exercise of these rights should not cost one single American citizen his reputation or his right to a livelihood, nor he should be in danger of losing his reputation or livelihood merely because he happens to know someone who holds unpopular beliefs. Who of us does not? Otherwise, none of us could call our souls our own. Otherwise, thought control would have set in. The American people are sick and tired of being afraid to speak their minds, lest they be politically smeared as communists or fascists by their opponents. Freedom of speech is not what it used to be in America. It has been so abused by some that it is not exercised by others. The American people are sick and tired of seeing innocent people smeared and guilty people whitewashed. But there have been enough proved cases to cause nationwide distrust and strong suspicion that there may be something to the unproved sensational accusations. As a Republican, I say to my colleagues on this side of the aisle that the Republican Party faces a challenge today that is not unlike the challenge that it faced back in Lincoln's day. The Republican Party so successfully met that challenge that it emerged from the Civil War as the champion of a united nation. In addition, to being a party that unrelentingly fought loose spending and loose programs. We'll continue reading from this speech transcript after a quick break. Now, back to where we left off. The Democratic administration has greatly lost the confidence of the American people by its complacency to the threat of communism here at home and the leak of vital secrets to Russia through key officials of the Democratic administration there are enough proved cases to make this point without diluting our criticism with unproved charges? Surely these are sufficient reasons to make it clear to the American people that it is time for a change and that a Republican victory is necessary to the security of this country, yet to displace it with a Republican regime embracing a philosophy that lacks political integrity or intellectual honesty would prove equally disastrous to this nation. The nation sorely needs a Republican victory, But I do not want to see the Republican Party ride to political victory using fear, ignorance, bigotry, and smear. I do not want to see the Republican Party win that way. While it might be a fleeting victory for the Republican Party, it would be a more lasting defeat for the American people. Surely it would ultimately be suicide for the Republican Party and the two-party system that has protected our American liberties from the dictatorship of a one-party system. As members of the minority party, we do not have the primary authority to formulate the policy of our government. But we do have the responsibility of rendering constructive criticism, of clarifying issues, of allaying fears by acting as responsible citizens. As a woman, I wonder how the mothers, wives, sisters, and daughters feel about the way in which members of their families have been politically mangled in Senate debate and I use the word debate advisedly. I do not like the way the Senate has been made a rendezvous for vilification, for selfish political gain at the sacrifice of individual reputations and national unity. I am not proud of the way we smear outsiders from the floor of the Senate and hide behind the cloak of congressional immunity and still place ourselves beyond criticism on the floor of the Senate." As an American, I am shocked at the way Republicans and Democrats alike are playing directly into the communist design of, quote, confuse, divide, and conquer, unquote. As an American, I don't want a Democratic administration whitewash or cover-up any more than I want a Republican smear or witch hunt. As an American, I condemn a Republican fascist just as much as I condemn a Democrat communist. I condemn a Democrat fascist just as much as I condemn a Republican communist. They are equally dangerous to you and me and to our country. As an American, I want to see our nation recapture the strength and unity it once had when we fought the enemy instead of ourselves. It is with these thoughts I have drafted what I call a Declaration of Conscience. I am gratified that the Senator from New Hampshire, the Senator from Vermont, the Senator from Oregon, The Senator from New York, the Senator from Minnesota, and the Senator from New Jersey have concurred in that declaration and have authorized me to announce their concurrence. The declaration reads as follows. One, we are Republicans, but we are Americans first. It is as Americans that we express our concern with the growing confusion that threatens the security and stability of our country. Democrats and Republicans alike have contributed to that confusion. Two, The Democratic administration has initially created the confusion by its lack of effective leadership, by its contradictory grave warnings and optimistic assurances, by its complacency to the threat of communism here at home, by its oversensitiveness to rightful criticism, by its petty bitterness against its critics. 3. Certain elements of the Republican Party have materially added to this confusion in the hopes of riding the Republican Party to victory through the selfish political exploitation of fear, bigotry, ignorance, and intolerance. There are enough mistakes of the Democrats for Republicans to criticize constructively without resorting to political smears. Four, to this extent, Democrats and Republicans alike have unwittingly, but undeniably, played directly into the communist design of, quote, confuse, divide, and conquer, unquote. Five, it is high time that we stopped thinking politically as Republicans and Democrats about elections and started thinking patriotically as Americans about national security based on individual freedom. It is high time that we all stopped being tools and victims of totalitarian techniques, techniques that, if continued here unchecked, will surely end what we have come to cherish as the American way of life. The source of this speech is a congressional record of the 81st Congress, second session, pages 7,894 to 7,895. The seven Republican senators mentioned in the speech were Charles Toby Republican New Hampshire, George Aiken, Republican Vermont, Wayne Moss, Republican Oregon, Irving Ives, Republican New York, Edwards I, Republican Minnesota, and Robert Hendrickson, Republican New Jersey. This podcast and our other podcast are productions of Little Red Hen Industries. The supporting cast who helps me bake the bread includes Techno King John C. Brandy, Fact Checker, Abraham Lincoln, French Consultant, Virginia Mitchell, Media Expert, Favor Abbasi E.K., Psychologist, William James, Rabbit Hole Advisor, Dr. Mark Perrot, Sound Designer, Goodly Amo Marconi, Spanish Consultant, Cameron J.K. Brandy, Videographer, Alfred Hitchcock, Audio Props, Les Paul, Inspiration, Napoleon Hill and Earl Nightingale. We also have websites, and you can subscribe to both podcasts and get ebooks and other great stuff. You can send us a video, audio, or text message, but of course, you'll have to head to the show notes either on your phone or on the web to actually get links and stuff. And those clickable links are in. Uh, show notes. And before we forget, the artificial intelligence or AI voices you hear in our work come from the online tone generator, linked in the show notes. Finally, you can find us on Podmatch and Listen Notes, where we consider guests and guesting on other pods. And really finally, the music for our pods comes from Cute by Ben Sound, and from Piano Background by Nick Simon-Adams. The sound effects credits go to Jackson Academy, Ashmore, Kanoe CG, Dr. Jekyll, Joe Payne, Everything Sounds, MK Playmore Stories, ERH, and Just Good Ink. Yes, that's his name. All on freesound.org. Paul.